Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. How to lift out of the persecutor and rescuer and victim triangle that psychologists have now been talking about for many years. And the difference between helping someone from love and helping someone from fear. Because I know as a mother, and I'm sure there's other parents in the room, that when your child looks like they're about to do something completely ridiculous, you tend to freak out. Does that happen to anybody else? <laughs> you don't even have to be a mum, no, says poverty. Anyone you love, you know, if they're just about to, or you're worried about them, you're frightened of them, the tendency is to rush in and do something for them. You know, I've got to do this for you. I've got to make it so I'm not scared is really the subtext. You know, I don't want to be scared like this. And so we're motivated to do stuff for them. And and then it kind of um, tends to go pear-shaped because what happens is even though our motives are good because we do want to help them, the person who's being helped can feel a little bit like, it's like when a two-year-old, I remember when um, my kids were around two or yeah, about the age they're learning to talk and they, they're walking, that you try and help them get in the car and you're running late to get somewhere. You just want them in the car, you know? Does anyone remember that phase? And <laughs> No, mummy, I do it. Oh, right then. You have to stand there for 10 minutes while they get in the car and get, get themselves settled. But the satisfaction and joy they have from actually getting themselves in the car and getting settled is quite amazing and they learn as they're doing it and next time it's a bit faster and next time it's a bit faster and they actually learn by doing it themselves. And so I think there's an art to relationships, particularly when you care deeply about somebody, it is just to try and stay out of the fear and allow love to be the guiding principle of what could I do to help this person that they can't do for themselves but not interfering with what they can do for themselves. And also understanding that my worldview may not be identical to their worldview. And so therefore, what I would see as the solution in this situation may or may not be the solution that this other person sees as being relevant to their life. Because particularly when it's intergenerational, you have a whole different set of guiding energies uh, from one generation to the next. And I'm not sure if you're aware But the outer planets of our solar system, particularly Saturn, Uranus, Neptune and Pluto, exert a huge influence in their slow progressions, particularly um, Uranus, Neptune and Pluto. They take 8 to 14 years to transition from one sign of the zodiac to the next. And as that's happening, huge changes occur in the world and in the way people think. And so there really are very big differences between the generations, between the way they think, between the energies that are bombarding them from the time they're born, that whilst we're getting that, our pattern was set at the time when we were born. That's where we're set into. And so to try and find a solution for someone born 20 years after you is going to be maybe not something that they would feel fits them 
because the astrological impulsing that we're prone to is going to be different to what they're prone to. So we can give suggestions, we can certainly offer, offer, but the difference uh, between the control paradigm or the fear paradigm and the love paradigm is the energy comes out as controlling. When we're frightened, we tend to overdo it. We tend to talk louder so they'll hear us because we're really, really worried. Has anyone ever had that happen to them? <laughs> uh, yeah, and they don't stop talking. They keep saying it because they're so scared. When, when have you done this? And it turns into a nag. Blab, blah, terror, terror, terror. And then what happens is the person to whom we're addressing all this fear for their well-being tends to go, there's the hand, you fruitcake, <laughs> get out of my face. And don't appreciate all that loving care that we're giving them. And it's because we're doing it wrong. We're doing it with the wrong energy. We're all in these relationships where we love people and that love turns into control because we have the other person's best interest at heart, but we're not getting over our fear. And so we tend to then take on the role of having to fix it. I've got to save you from yourself. I've got to be the rescuer. And so when we do that, then what happens is usually it backfires and the people who get rescued don't appreciate it or they want to be rescued for the whole rest of their life. (laughs) That's another one. So uh, how do you transition from the old way of, because really in the old days, in the sort of more paternalistic way of looking at the world, one person was in charge and everyone else had to do what they said It was less democratic than society is now. And so that one person could get away with it because everybody thought they had the right to talk like that. Everybody thought they had the right to boss everybody else around and everyone else thought it was their job to be bossed around. And so it kind of worked so that in that stage, you know, this model wasn't really needed. But in this day and age, to try and transition into a place where we regard each other with love and try and empower each other, then a whole different mental approach to how we speak is needed, and that's going to affect how people listen to us. Has anyone ever had the feeling when you're talking to someone that they're not taking any of it in? There's a lot of giggling in the room, so I'm taking it that that's a yes. Well, not being heard has a number of different reasons for why we're not heard, and some of it's got to do with this model I'm talking about here. So let's just have a think about it from the point of view of the V diagram which is the multidimensional map we have of how reality works. So down the bottom of this map is the actual pointy bit. Down the bottom is the physical dimension. And so there's reasons in the physical dimension why you're not being heard. What would one of those, what what are some of the reasons you might not be heard in the physical dimension? Deafness, exactly. I mean, it's kind of not rocket science, is it? Deafness. (laughs) The person can't hear you. (laughs) So therefore, you have to actually get tap the person on the shoulder if you want to speak to them. You actually have to come where they can see you and things like that. You know, there's a whole lot of strategies that we have to use when people are deaf or when they become deaf later in life that aren't necessary early in life you know, and it's, we got to change our behavior if we want to be heard in that situation. What about um, when people are daydreaming? They don't hear a thing you're saying, do they? So again, it's about getting their attention because otherwise you're just wasting your breath and then getting angry because they didn't hear you, but they're in a different dimension to you. They're not in this physical time space in their mind. They're in an astral time space. They could be anywhere. 
They could be on their last holiday they had. They could be at work tomorrow. They could be any time space. There've been times in the last week since I've been back from India that I've been back in India and I've been physically in Australia. We all have that, don't we? So sometimes you're not heard because the other person's in a, literally in another world, but it's not their fault, you see. So if we get angry that they haven't heard us, whose problem is that? All right, so let's have a look at more how I'm not being heard on this model of this uh, victim, rescuer, persecutor. Let's go up to the energy dimension. So we're looking at the etheric dimension, which is the second dimension up. It's about our energy field and our chakras and all that stuff. Well, what might be going on there that we might be being not heard? Chakras could be closed down. They could be. They could be. It Not interested, you reckon? Well, there could be that. But, you know, I found that when people actually are in families together, it's not usually that they're not interested. It's usually something else. And one of the things is that I've often noticed is it's not actually that they're not interested. It's that they can't hear it the way it's being delivered, right? Imagine that you can't hear it the way it's being delivered because there's either too much or too little energy in it. So we're talking energy in the energy dimension. How much energy is in this communication? So it's too little energy in the communication. It might be loud enough, but it might be delivered with no, like it's not really important. Nothing I'm saying is really important. You might as well just get on with what else you're doing. You know, that sort of thing. So too little energy or because we actually didn't say anything. We actually just are thinking at them, but we don't say it. And often we do that because we think, you should know. Who's ever had, you should know? (laughs) Well, they might, but then they may not have advanced telepathic powers, so maybe they don't know. So therefore there's too little energy being put into actually saying what you want. On the other end of the equation, we can have too much energy being put into the situation and people are shouting at each other. Um, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the whole thing about shouting at each other and being angry and having your anger in, don't worry about it, having your anger in the situation, you know, like I'm so angry as I'm talking to you, then what people will hear is anger, but they won't hear what you're saying. They'll just know you're angry. Anger, when it comes at you, who's had anger come at you in your life? Every single hand should be up in the air because I think otherwise you're fooling yourselves. (laughs) Um, But when anger is directed at us, the natural response of a human is to close down and you go into fight, flight or freeze. It's a a known psychological (laughs) fact that you do. When someone's angry with you, people close down or they get really defensive and become bullies. It's one or the other. You punch me, I'm going to punch you. It's the physiological egoic response. You yell at me, I'm going to yell back. I'm not listening to what you have to say because it's irrelevant because I've just got to defend myself. So if we're not being heard, it might be a good idea to see how we're speaking as to whether or not that speech is respectful. And it's challenging, you know. It's why I say relationships are the pointy end of spirituality It's why I think they're the advanced class in spirituality because it takes a whole lot of inner something to just breathe and not bite back 
when someone is addressing you in an angry, snipey way, don't you think? It just takes a lot of inner strength and restraint not to give it back to them. But I think that's what our soul's calling for. I think that's what's asked of us in that situation. And as we change and calm down internally and we start hearing what we're saying to ourselves, which is a soul level dimension thing, you know, in our soul, you know, sometimes we need to hear what we're saying ourselves. And then when we hear that, miraculously other people can hear us. So there's all these really funky, amazing, beautiful things that we can learn. There's so many avenues to explore. Wow, this is going wrong. How can I fix it? Well, there's 10 ways. Nothing's ever broken while we're still drawing breath and while our mind still works. Nothing's broken. We can always fix it if we're prepared to do the inner work and we have a decent guide. And if we look at it in a lighthearted, impersonal way as a set of principles that we might want to learn, then it's not personal. It's not you're a terrible person. It's you're a human. And as humans, we can only go with what we've learned so far. That's all we've got. And so if we can learn a few more, have a few more tricks up our sleeve, then we can make life very pleasant for ourselves and others. And if we've been in a relationship where it's been a bit snipey and there's been a lot of tit for tat kind of arguing, to know that that's a power game, to know that that's actually not about what's being said. It's not even about the subject matter of what's being said. It's just a power game. It's just energy fields going whack, whack into each other because both are feeling disempowered. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. 